and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking a little about canola production on today's program, and we're also going to keep our phone lines open throughout at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have an agronomic question you'd like us to help with. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com, if you have a soil sample, a manure sample, a water quality sample, or just a, a detailed question that, that you want to go through with us. Uh, of course, you can do both, too. You can email us and call in and say, hey, I'm, I'm sending you an email, and I'm going to call in a little bit later and uh, and talk to you about that. It's a good way to go sometimes. Because uh, some of these challenges that are out there facing us in agriculture, uh, agronomic challenges anyway, are, are kind of interesting to talk through. And there's a lot of different factors. Uh, I got in a discussion today about a couple of different problems out in soybeans. And it's interesting. If you've got a salt issue in soybean fields, and, and we see this a lot, there, there are a lot of different types of, of salts and a lot of different... Um, potential things that could cause an issue in fields. Uh, talking about irrigated ground where we've got a high level of sodium in the water uh, and putting that out on fields that don't have great internal drainage. Um, had had a grower that was just having an issue and he's like, well, if it's irrigation, why is it worse in some parts of the field than others? Because I'm watering it all evenly. They all receive the same amount of water. I mean, every acre out there. But there were some differences in, in internal drainage. There was some compaction in, in certain parts of the field, slight, slight differences in soil type and soil makeup and that kind of thing. That that's It's hard to, hard to go through those things if you aren't talking it over. So if you do send a question and want to talk it over, that's, that's usually a good thing. The other thing that, that we got talking about is the excluder gene in soybeans. So there are some soybean varieties that are known as chloride excluders that can block out uh, chlorides and some salts from plants. Now they're not like perfect, like you could grow a soybean plant in a jar of salt or anything like that. It, there's a limit to how much they can can protect against and block out, but they certainly do much, much better through those bad spots in the field. And that was one of the things that, that we got talking about today. Well, I picked a soybean that had really good tolerance to iron deficiency chlorosis because I do see that showing up. And we, we got talking about the excluder, and, and I said, well, what about the excluder? And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. The seed company I work with has never said anything about that before. There, there are excluders out there, and they're not limited to one company versus another. So it is something, and it's a good chance, I guess, that that the seed provider there just didn't know anything about it. But uh, it, it has been a real help in in certain areas. I know in the Red River Valley, when we look at the North Dakota Minnesota border. That's an area that, that has got a, a lot of internal drainage issues. They got some heavy dirt up there. They got some very flat ground, and we do see a buildup of salts in a lot of those fields, even without irrigation, even without um, a lot of manure application or those types of things that can also contribute to salt problems. And we're seeing some significant differences with excluder soybeans. So that would be something to take a look at. I know there are excluders in both the Enlist E3 trait and also the ExtendFlex trait. And there's getting to be more of them out there in different maturity groups. 
We've seen excluders down in the group fours and, and even mid to late threes for quite a while. But now we're seeing excluders down in the double zeros, zeros, ones, and twos on the early side and, and into some later beans too. So might be something you think about. Uh, the other question uh, uh, that, that came up today that, that I got into that was kind of fun is just what's happening in corn genetics and where do we see traits going? There was a recent statement um, by the Mexican government who has been trying to get away from GMOs and trying to get away from BT corn and those types of things and even, uh, for that matter, Roundup Ready corn. And their their deadline's coming up on when they want to be done with that. And so they've delayed approving some of the new trait packages. Like, for example, the Power Core Enlist um, that is labeled and approved. Their refuge has not been. And uh, the holdup on that, at least to my understanding, was Mexico and getting approval from Mexico. It sounds like now they may start to approve some of the yellow corn traits. They They really want to be non-GMO in white corn, which isn't as, as big a concern for many of the corn growers across the country. They're raising yellow corn. But that could be a positive development for bringing this new trait out. And that's one that would compete against Double Pro and other hybrids that have above-ground insect protection. So that's one that, that I'm kind of watching close. Also, we're seeing, uh, coming out of the bear stable of traits, we're seeing more VT4 corns that look like they're going to be out next year. Um, so not 2023's planting, but 2024's planting. And this would be the above-ground protection from the Tricepta trait, which would be uh, not only corn borers, but also some other uh, earworms and those types of things above ground. But then adding in that new RNAi technology they're using in their SmartStex Pro hybrids for some rootworm control. So it could be interesting. It's going to be not the degree of rootworm protection you're going to get out of SmartStex Pro. So we look for that trait to be priced a little bit less than SmartStex Pro. I guess we'll see when that comes out and when they announce their pricing intentions. But I would expect it to be a premium price over most of the above ground traits because you are adding some below ground insect activity too. So those couple things in corn that, that are pretty exciting. And, you know, when you think about just some of the other disease problems that have been out there in corn, there there are improvements happening on certain diseases. Um, tar spot is not one of them, unfortunately. I don't see the companies making big strides, at least from what I've seen so far and, and a lot of the data coming out. But I know all the major corn breeding companies are working on tar spot tolerance and hopefully tar spot resistance down the road so i don't see anything promising for 2023 and i guess we'll see about 2024 and beyond but uh, lots going on in the industry uh, i talked a little about about soybeans and a little about corn today but we're going to talk more about canola production when we come back after this short break you're listening to ag phd radio In his last will and testament, Robert has bequeathed to his only heir and devoted caretaker one-third of his house, a third of his truck, and a third of his beloved dog, Mr. Bo here. Uh, excuse me, I'm a little confused. Don't settle for a fraction of what you deserve, especially at harvest. Yield your best with Veltima fungicide's proven plant health benefits and revolutionary application flexibility. One-third of a dog. Right. Get everything you deserve with Veltima fungicide. From BASF, always read and follow label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. We're talking canola production, and one of the companies that's deep into canola production is New Seed. We got Justin on right now to talk a little bit about what's happening in the market. How you doing today, Justin? I'm doing wonderful, Darren, and you? You know, uh, it's it's one of those days here where we've got uh, a crop that many people say. We don't have enough money going into developing new canola varieties. And I say, no, you're totally wrong. There's a lot of exciting new technologies coming in canola. Uh, what are some of the things that, that folks might not be aware of? There is, Darren, and I appreciate you bringing it up. And uh want to talk a little bit about the omega-3. So well, omega-3 canola is a, is a, is a, uh, it's a gene that's been inserted into a, a canola and in the oil, in the canola plant, and in the oil that's produced is a is a great source of omega-3 so it's a land-based plant-based source of omega-3 which is essential for the dha dha oil and nutrients for uh you know for supplements and we use it uh it's grown here in north dakota it's grown across montana uh, in our trade area and we use it in our aquaterra uh, business which is really food for fish and the fish farming and uh a great opportunity it's a great say uh, uh, source for growers to bring canola into uh, a rotation that in a lot of cases in the state of montana has been wheat for a lot of years yeah it sure is good to have uh, have a rotation in there no doubt about mm-hmm. that and when you think about omega-3 uh, it, it's a value add to a, a crop that's already really valuable. I mean, canola acres uh, have been some of the most productive for for many of the growers in, in canola growing areas. They say, gosh, that's our, our best crop in our rotation for making some cash. So having another shot at uh, a value add there is is really nice thing. It is. And it's, uh, you know, New Seed, or New Seed, we're offering growers the option to contract. Go out and contract some acres. We provide a license to the seed. They plant the seed that's developed um there's some stewardship that go with 
growing a canola crop, um, obviously into the rotation. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it's really around production of canola, being able to uh, offer the growers a, uh, a contract and, and to deliver the grain um, stored on their farm. We'll pick it up off their farm and uh, take it in for processing. You know, it's it's exciting to have uh, value add, and then of course we've got a lot of broad acre canola products out there. Uh, this is a crop that that is grown on a lot more acres than folks uh, may be aware of. Talk to us about that canola market, just in general, and and what some of the growers are, are doing this year. Yeah, absolutely, the commodity market's been strong, strong a year ago. Canola acres uh, across North Dakota and primarily here in, in the U.S., that's where our acres are. Canada, there's, you know, 21, 22, 23 million acres annually. Here in the, here in the U.S., there's around, you know, 1.8, 1.9, maybe as many as 2 million acres grown. And most of that's in the state of North Dakota, expanding west into, into uh, the state of Montana where, where we grow the omega-3 and contract the omega-3. And then also um, we've even had some in, in the northern, along the northern borders of, of South Dakota. And it's a, it's a product that likes long days and, and uh, not extreme heat and to produce to its maximal potential, yield potential. Well, that's something that, that uh, as you head north, we can certainly provide <laughs> not a lot of heat <laughs> and uh, and some long summer days, lots of sunshine. That's that another thing that surprises a lot of folks in the south. Yep. They don't realize uh, how much sunshine we do get in the north. So mm-hmm. lots lots of good things yep. there with, with uh, canola. Really excited to hear about the omega-3 coming. And, uh, and Justin, thank you so much for sharing that. Really appreciate that today. Absolutely, Darren. Appreciate you having us on. You bet. Let's head up to Canada. Justin had mentioned, boy, in Canada, there's a lot more acres of canola than there are here in the United States. We've got Jason Castleman on right now at the Canola Council of Canada. How you doing, Jason? Not too bad, Darren. Yourself? Good, good. Uh, I understand doing a, doing a conference uh, up there and, and lots of new information to share. Justin was just talking about Omega-3 now getting inserted into canola, but uh, there's a lot of developments going on, a lot of a lot of folks working on canola and trying to make that a very profitable crop for farmers. Yeah, you bet. We're at the uh, uh, Canola Week here in uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So uh, Canola Week is the uh, canola industry meeting that we had uh, uh, on Tuesday, and then uh, the Canola Discovery Forum um, that we had on uh, yesterday, and then today is the uh, Canola Innovation Day. So a lot of canola uh, topics that we're uh, going through today, and and some really excellent speakers, uh, not only from Canada but from around the world. So actually, I just came out of one of the sessions, and and they was we had uh, some of the researchers out of Australia and Germany talking about uh, uh, some of the the work that they're doing on canola and. And uh, so it's kind of, it's a worldwide crop for sure. And, and definitely something that, um, you know, here in Canada, we're, we're pretty proud that, uh, you know, it's been as successful as it has not only for, for the, um, you know, oilseed market, but for, for farmers and profitability, like you were mentioning. Well, it's really fun with crops, and this is a neat thing as as folks get to travel around the world and see what's grown in different areas and what a nice crop this has been in the rotation for guys in, in in Canada and certainly in the northern United States. Uh, when you talk about canola innovations, what are some innovations that are going to hit for, for North America and make raising canola possibly easier, but uh, certainly more profitable? 
Yeah, so I think a lot of what uh, we're trying to understand and, and you know, working with researchers is, uh, is some of the breeding innovations and how to deal with uh, abiotic stress and and also some of the, you know, different um, climate that we're experiencing. So some of that, those extremes with uh, with a little bit, uh, you know, for sure on the, on the drought side, we have, you know, experienced a, a couple of years where, where drought really took off some of the top end yield, but, you know, where we've got... Um, the ability to to use varieties that are that are more suited to that those situations, as well as farmer um, farmer innovations. You know, yesterday at the at the discovery forum, with our panel of uh, of farmers talking about some of the precision ag tools that they're using to, you know, help get um, higher yields on canola even under some of those tough conditions, and and um, you know just being able to to be more efficient. We don't have any more time, and and we certainly don't have any more money, so we have to. We have to be as efficient as possible with uh, with what we've got. You mentioned the abiotic stress, and and certainly with every crop out there, we're looking to manage stress from the get go. As soon as we're putting that seed in the ground, and and all the way through the season, I know we've we've taken a lot of calls the last few years about aphid pressure. Um, certainly, guys are concerned about weed pressure that's out in fields. What are you seeing, I guess, from a, an agronomy standpoint that the growers are doing to to reduce stresses throughout the season? Yeah, so I think for for sure, being able to uh, um, understand how that crop is going to grow and um, and when when it's going to be most susceptible to some of those stresses. So so timing that seeding operation to to be in in uh, in line with when that crop is going to be flowering and and not be hit with the the most extreme heat temperature or some of the driest conditions and and having so staggering staggering those seeding times and. And understanding what's what's going to make sense. So if it's seeding a little bit earlier in, in some areas, or or even having a little bit of a delay on seeding to to get it under good conditions. So we know that a, a canola crop that's that's got a really good start and and not seeded under the tough conditions can can carry that momentum right through the growing season. So if you know getting that canola off to the best start with you know the uh, proper seeding um, paths and, and getting everything as uniform as possible, and then managing that crop so it doesn't have a bad day. So it doesn't, you know, if if there are some uh, insects that that do show up, that that crop is resilient enough to to kind of manage it. And unfortunately, we, you know, there are some some limitations as far as in crop insecticide that we've just kind of uh, seen here in the last uh, little bit. But you know, understanding that you know, the tools we have with seed treatment and that are, are still going to be our, our uh, help us as, as best I can. Well, great tips there. And when we think about timing and just doing the best job with putting that seed in the ground, a lot of those things don't cost any extra money. Just take a little extra focus and attention, and that's something any of us can do out on the farm. Uh, I've been talking here with Jason Castleman with the Canola Council of Canada. Jason, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You bet. Thanks a lot, Darren. Talk more about canola and take your calls and questions right after this. Stay tuned.
What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts. We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. CNB has a sale for you this holiday season. Save 25% on Real Tractors or Green merchandise now through December 23rd. These products promote sustainability in ag by giving back to local programs, so get some under your Christmas tree. Go to realtractorsorgreen.com and check out with promo code CNB25. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Talking canola production on today's program, but of course, if you have an agronomic question on any crop, we would love to help you. I got Pat Murphy on with us right now. He farms up in North Dakota, and uh, canola is one of the crops in his rotation. Pat, how are you doing today? Very good, very good. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, and you know, one of the cool things when you get a crop like canola is the the grower associations that go along with that to try to to really support growers, uh, not just in your local area, but on on a broader level as well. Uh, how important has that been with canola? 
Well, it's it's very important, and the the amazing part about that is it's kind of like baby steps all the time. Uh, we're just always kind of working on some of the little issues that that go to that make agronomically everything work a little bit better. And so it's just a little step in process. I think I've been on the grower group for about 11, 12 years now, and it's just something that we're always working on something. And uh, you never know from year to year what it's going to be. One of the one of the things we worked on with the U.S. canola group here now, if everybody's aware, is to get uh, canola oil approved for the renewable diesel process. Uh, which you know is kind of a big deal in, in some of the green green trending things that's going on. So yeah, it, there's always something to work on. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and renewable fuels have certainly been a big deal. I know for a number of crops they've been working on things. You mentioned uh, using canola oil for renewable diesel. Uh, using biodiesel has been something on our farm we've done for a lot of years, and man, it's been really nice. We've, we've really loved the benefits of that to our engines and certainly utilizing crops that can be produced again and uh, are much cleaner. It's been a pretty nice process. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Well, actually, I got a I got to level with you a little bit. I just got back from Mexico with some friends of ours, and we went down to Mexico for a week down to down and just enjoyed some sun. So we got back from that. But actually going on yesterday and today, we had the, the Prairie Greens Conference in Grand Forks, which uh, Northern Canola Growers is part of that this year. So they had some different speakers in there and stuff like that. I didn't get to attend because I was well, actually on vacation. But that's going on to, uh, closing out today. So yeah, it's, there's always something to work on. So yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Now, as a farmer, Pat, when you look at canola, uh, how does that work into your rotation? What are guys doing in your area? Is it a, a two crop rotation? Is it one where you're planting every third or fourth year? What's the best way to make canola work for for guys in your area? Well, I think I think actually, if if we can grow canola and grow it and put two crops of uh, a wheat or a soybean or something else in between it, that's actually the best thing we can do. Uh, we've actually, on our farm, we've been pushing a little bit harder. We've probably been go- going uh, canola uh, every other year here now for a few times, which is maybe not not maybe what we should be doing, but the numbers have worked, and it's worked out very well for you. We'll probably use a little more fungicide and stuff like that to protect uh, protect things a little bit. But, yeah, it's... It's a, a two-year rotation, three-year rotation, four is probably ideal. And uh, but you know you get weather conditions and prices and stuff. And it's sometimes it's it it's uh, might be a good short game for a while, but I don't know. It, it just seems to be working for us, so we're probably going to keep going that way a little bit. It's interesting. We get a lot of questions about North Dakota because it is such a unique growing area and we see so many different crops being raised in North Dakota. Farmers are really adapting to well, what what can make us the most money. And then the other thing that, that you threw out there is just the weather is, is so weather dependent in North Dakota. If you get an early spring, that completely changes things. Or if you get too wet, uh, that can really change things up there too. Uh, so what are, what are conditions shaping up uh, like now and what's kind of your game plan for your farm for next year? Well, I think we'll probably do the same thing again. We're probably going to see just a little bit less canola just because we've had the push in the rotation kind of hard. Uh, we're actually fairly dry again here now in our part of the state. And, uh, as we were last year at this time, 
Uh, we just got a little bit of white snow, not much. And so it's going to take some moisture again to get things going. And that's kind of where we were sitting last year at this time. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, if everybody remembers, we went into that April or mid-April time frame and got dumped with snow, two big snows and a big rain, and boom, everything changed. We ended up getting into the field uh, later than normal, finished up, oh, probably two to three weeks later than normal, and crops that were planted early June, canola included, turned out just absolutely magnificent. So uh, it was a real nice crop here this year. And so, like I say, you, you never know what you're going to get, and uh, it just worked out very well. So we're kind of sitting up with that same weather pattern, but now, you know, here we are December, we're a long ways from next spring, but who knows what'll happen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, my brother always says, if you're going to have a drought, uh, this would be a great time of year for it right now. We don't really, I don't <laughs> well, know, we he, don't. He's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, we don't don't need a whole bunch of moisture in the middle of the winter, but uh, but in the spring, what do you find with canola? I mean, how much moisture does it take compared to, you mentioned wheat and, and soybeans that are grown in your area. Is this one that, that can handle those drought conditions a little bit better or? You know, I, um, I think, I think actually, I think some of the new or most of the new hybrids have kind of are, uh, or even some of the open pollinated varieties seem to be performing very well. Uh, I think there's a little bit of, uh, head scratching going on as far as where these yields are coming from, because we don't, didn't have an abundance of rainfall in our part of the world at all last year. And I think it, it, uh, we still end up with a, a big crop. And that, I just talked to a guy that I know that they sell a lot of soybeans. And uh, he said, you know, there was pockets north of us up here that had 40, 45 bushel soybeans, which was not in our area at all. But, but generally speaking, everybody was just kind of, like I said, scratching their head where these big yields come from. But, you know, it doesn't take so much. I'd say canola, you know, if you get a good wheat crop, you can get a good canola crop. And uh, it seems to be working quite well. And it seems like the canola area for us is moving west a little further, too. we got guys between here and Williston just pulling off magnificent crops. And, and uh, it's just, it's yeah, like you say, it's, it's, been, it's been very good to us. Well, like you mentioned, western North Dakota, it, it's a challenge. It can get dry out there, and there aren't a whole lot of... Uh, crops that can really handle that environment. So having another option that guys can work into the the rotation. I know, of course, the guys across into Montana too. It's it's pretty nice to find something that's not named wheat or barley that you can can work in there and make some money off of too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, cool. Lots of lots of neat stuff there, Pat. Glad you got a little bit of sun and a little little warmth here for a bit because it looks like we got a long winter heading in front of us. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was great to get away, and uh, uh, you kind of you kind of need that and a little recharge once in a while too. So anyway, yeah, you bet, and, and it's working out great. Well, thanks for what you're doing with the Canola Growers Association, and uh, and good luck to you guys heading into this next growing season. Hey, thanks for the call. You bet. Thanks, Pat. And we're talking canola production on our show today, and one of the big questions that we get uh, a lot on our show, of course, we we're 
often known as the weed of the week guys is, man, what do you do for weed control and canola? And there still are some things that can be done. And a lot of growers, if they're doing some tillage, will put trifluralin out up front, which is really inexpensive. And then, you know, there's certainly Clearfield varieties, Liberty Link varieties, Roundup Ready varieties, those kinds of things. So you got a few options of what you can do. Not as many options post-emerge, but but you got a few. And when we find crops that that don't have a ton of options, uh, there there are different ways to handle weed control. I know for some of the growers, the crop rotation is a big big part of the equation, and then even cover crops to try and choke down some of those weeds that you can burn the cover crop off and get a canola crop to to come up through that and and hopefully come up weed free. Uh, to begin the season. So there, there's certainly some things there. I mentioned the aphids, and this is one of the things in Canada with some changes in what's going to be labeled for insecticides that we're going to have to watch closely and see uh, what the best management tools are going to be for that. But aphids are certainly not something that I want to see in any crop. And in canola, they've been, been especially bad the last couple of years. So we'll talk a little bit more about canola coming up after this. And our phone lines are still open. If you have an agronomic question at 844-44-AG-PHD, stay tuned. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. 
You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Canola production is the topic today on Ag PhD Radio. As we broadcast here from the Morton studio, we do have our phone lines open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to talk a little canola or if you've got an agronomic question, it'd be great to hear from you. Uh, right now we're going to head north of the border again up into Manitoba. got Clayton Harder with us who farms and it's also on the board for the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Clayton, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, we get a lot of questions about some of the different crops that we talk about, and canola is certainly one of them because uh, growers say, man, every time you have somebody on that's raising canola, they say it might be their most profitable crop on their farm. Why does it work so good in the north and, and not uh, in other parts of, of North America? Uh, Clayton, uh, how about for you on your farm? Is this is this your most profitable crop, raising canola? It, uh, in certain years, it has been. Sometimes and I hit it out of the park and everything kind of lines up and works out well. But it's also a crop definitely presents, uh, you know, some challenges uh, throughout the growing season that are different than other crops. All right. Uh, I think it's interesting. Jason Castleman was on a little earlier and he was mentioning kind of the same thing. There are some challenges <laughs> raising canola. It's not not easy or anything like that. It's like with any crop, you got to kind of know what you're doing. What are some of the things that, that you'd say over the years, if somebody was new to canola in your area, you'd say, hey, you for sure have to do this. I guess for us, probably you want to make sure that the seed bed is is pretty much ideal to be planting into. It's canola is not as forgiving as some cereal crops for planting, as far as uh, depth is concerned, or weed control might be, uh, or even as forgiving as say soybeans are, as far as weed control is. Canola is, it, it does require it to be a, a cleaner start, in my opinion. That's definitely one of the things a person would start with, and kind of moving from there, getting that crop well-established and into that, you know, three, four-leaf stage uh, in a clean situation without a lot of insect pressure is is where a person who's new to is going to want to pay the most attention. All right. When you mentioned the weed control, I know a lot of guys that we talked to that are doing tillage do trifluralin. Are you doing tillage or are you doing no-till? And, and what are your favorite products for pre's? Uh, we typically follow uh, Roundup Ready soybeans with our canola. And the canola we typically grow is not a Roundup Ready one just because the volunteers of Roundup Ready canola in subsequent years are kind of tricky to deal with. So, And the, due to the fact that we do have Roundup Ready other crops on our rotation. So typically if we follow Roundup Ready beans with, say, Liberty Link canola or other kinds, it's a pretty clean start to begin with. That's been kind of the, the go-to solution. Excellent. So crop rotation, you, you try to wipe out as many weeds as you can in the other crops so you can start canola out clean. And I do like your strategy. If I have any volunteer canola out there, I don't want it to be around up ready, then it's easy to clean up. That's that's a good way to look at it. For sure. Yep. That's That's been working okay. Now you mentioned insects. What are some of the, the problem insects that might catch you early in the season that if you don't knock them out, your canola just doesn't get off to a good start? 
Yeah, flea beetles for sure. When the crop is small coming out of the ground, uh, it's it can be a nightmare with flea beetles. And um, when that crop comes out, when it's in the cotyledon stage, when it's small, uh, you're going to have to be checking the field quite often in that first you know week to ten days to two weeks. Ensure there isn't uh, areas of the field that require an over-the-top insecticide, and you really do have to be on top of that. Yeah, I know the insecticides labeled in Canada have been changing a little bit too. Is it is it a big concern, or there's still plenty of options out there to use? It is definitely a concern because uh, you know some of those chemistries farmers have been using are potentially disappearing. Um, and if we lose too many more, that is definitely going to make canola production more difficult, without a doubt. Yeah, and there are millions of acres that are impacted here. And I think that's one of the things, too, in the United States that we talk about a lot is just, man, when one uh, chemical gets uh, where it's not labeled anymore, there better be a good alternative to it. I know just losing Lorsban here recently is... Uh, got a lot of growers nervous last growing season. Oh no, I use Lorsban for this. And if we lean harder on just one or two chemistries out there, it leads to resistance that much faster. So uh, certainly concerned for you guys up there with, with what's happening. Cause honestly, I know what's going to happen down here as well. It's just a matter of time. So uh, try to keep things around as long as we possibly can. Now on the fertility front with canola, what do you find that, that works good with that? What do you say? I just can't be sure on this nutrient or that nutrient? Uh, I guess a balanced approach. We do typically soil test our fields each fall, um, trying to plan a little bit for what we need the following year. But um, where we are, our main nutrient obviously is nitrogen, uh, phosphorus, and we do use quite a bit of sulfur and canola too. Yeah, the sulfur is one that's really growing. I know we get so many questions around sulfur about uh, how come I'm using more sulfur and and uh, previous generations here didn't use so much, and certainly there's there's been a, a huge difference in terms of air pollution and those kinds of things and just the amount of sulfur in the diesel fuel and uh, about everything else that, that we put out on our farm. So sulfur has been one we're, we're certainly seeing more gains on as well. Uh, what's going on right now with, sure. the, with the Growers Association? What are some of the big issues that that you're working on up in Canada? Um, various different things, you know, uh, for the Canola Growers Association, they've been in Ottawa actively lobbying for things that will improve uh, improve uh, cost of production on farm. Um, carbon tax in Canada is a big issue on drying grain and heating heating buildings. Uh, that, that process the Canola Growers have been working hard on and things are moving forward in Ottawa there. Uh, just a number of different issues at any different time of the year. Yeah, it's it's just amazing all the things. And I know a lot of times if you're not involved in a, a growers association for a different crop or for agriculture in general in your area, you, you don't realize all things behind the scenes. Not not many people understand what's happening on farms, so we certainly value all the people that are out there uh, lobbying for us and, and fighting for the issues that, that impact us on farms. Uh, Clayton, uh, really happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate all the info. Thanks. Take care. You bet. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things going on around the world, and it's just kind of interesting talking to some of these guys on on the different associations that are working on um, canola and other crops for for Canada and for the U.S. There's certainly a lot of of things happening. Um, 
in the government right now to uh, to change things for us on the farm. So I uh, really appreciate folks that are fighting for us. Uh, I think uh, we'll switch gears here a little bit and jump from canola over into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Got a question that came in from Larry about soil sampling. He said, guys, love your program and the information you're sharing. And know that you guys are big advocates of soil sampling in grids. So I'm wondering what system have you found to be the most efficient and do you just hire it done or how do you do it? Well, thanks for the questions, Larry. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways to, to manage soils. And for us, what we've chosen to do, and there's a few reasons behind it, but we've chosen to go to smaller grids. In fact, we've been doing one-acre grids now for the last number of years on our farm. And one of the reasons why is we're trying to match up those one-acre grids to the exact yield that we got on those spots. So we're trying to track down, okay, what did we need for a nutrient balance and nutrient level? to hit certain yield goals and it's allowing us to dial things in a little bit more on our farm and uh, it's been very very useful data and it's helping us move our yields forward and break through some plateaus and those kinds of things so we're excited about that and I don't know how closely you want to manage things if you're just concerned about you know what I just want to make sure that I'm feeding my crop well and that I'm Uh, keeping my soils the same or building fertility levels a little bit that could be a slightly different goal but we do do like the grid sampling the other thing that we've got that's an asset here is we've got more people than just Brian and me on the farm so we've actually had a number of people pulling the samples we've been doing it ourselves not that there's anything wrong with hiring it done and depending on what your labor uh, issues are on your farm if you've got enough people to do it great pull them yourselves or uh, what some folks have done is try to pull them at different times of the year do some in the fall some in the spring that kind of thing we've been doing all of ours in the fall as long as we can get out there before the ground is frozen so um, we are doing it ourselves Uh, what system are we using we're doing one acre grids at this point so um, that's that's pretty much it Um, but i guess good luck to you larry if you start with a field or two to to get going on a smaller grid just to see what the differences are uh, I would recommend that. And then you may change and do the whole farm, and you may learn enough out of that to say, nope, I don't need to do it. But anyway, thanks for the question, Larry. really appreciate your support as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It doesn't matter what you grow, how much you grow, or where you grow it. Commodity Classic is the place to discover what's next in agriculture. Join us in Orlando for America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. Preparing for the next generation. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, 
Tiling Clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts. We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we have been diving into the Ag PhD mailbag. If you have an agronomic question for us, you can email us radio at agphd.com, or you can just give us a phone call here. Our phone lines are open now at 844 44 Ag PhD. Got this one in from Pakistan, uh, and this one is from uh, Sardar, who says, guys, I'm farming in Pakistan and I would like to use the Ag PhD growing degree unit app. I guess you have to enter a postal code. <laughs> so, uh, it, it doesn't work to just take your live location. If you could update the app to be able to do that, that would be really cool. Um, I've tried to put in uh, postal codes for our nearest city, but I guess it's not working. Hey, thanks for the question, Sardar. Thanks for your interest in, in using the app. Of course, um, you can log everything yourself by hand and, and kind of keep track of it that way, and maybe that's what you're doing. But, yeah, finding an app that would work uh, would be cool. I don't know of any other Growing Degree Unit apps out there um, other than the Ag PhD app, which works great in North America, but uh, in, in Pakistan, I guess not. So uh, I'll, I will talk to our developers on that and see is that something that, that we could – update on our app or not and and if so we will and uh, really appreciate the support thanks i'm just gonna make a note of that right now so i don't forget all right uh next one comes in from john he's over in central wisconsin and he said guys really enjoy your program that's been a real important source of info for us for over the years i'm operating a small farm here and this coming year i need to make a change in my soybean herbicide strategy i've got water hemp creeping in and any other weeds in my weed spectrum are just becoming harder to control with my current program too. The change that I plan to make is to utilize at least two of your three pre-emerge herbicide recommendations. Uh, I plan to use Valor 
and Prowl H2O. My fields average around a 5 for cation exchange capacity and I have low organic matter levels too, so I just can't use metribuzin. So I'm wondering, is there something else or another uh, group of herbicides that I could use in place of metribuzin, or am I just left with the Valor and the Yellow? Uh, my program consists of Roundup and Warrant, Clethodim, and uh, and different products. I'm mainly in groups 9, 15, and 1. Also, I'm working on building my soil organic matter level. I'm reducing my tillage ahead of soybeans, and I'm switching to no-till ahead of corn in my corn-soybean rotation ground. Hey, thanks, John. Really appreciate that. And it sounds, uh, sounds like you're on the right track on a lot of stuff there, uh, trying to improve your soils long term. That's great. But honestly, I mean, you're, you're kind of stuck with some lighter soils. And so, yeah, things like metribuzin can be a little more risky uh, to use in those soils. So I'm all for the Valor and the Prowl. I think that's great. And I think that's going to be sufficient. The other challenge with low organic matter, low CEC soil is those soils just aren't going to hold herbicides as well. So with lots of rainfall, there's more of a chance those things will flush through so your weed control may not last longer. So you could do other things like cultural practices. The problem is you're in central Wisconsin where there's a lot of white mold in soybeans. So narrowing up row spacings and those kinds of things to shade the ground out quicker may not be the best agronomic advice for your area. So yeah, from a herbicide standpoint, sounds like you're on the right track. I do the Valor and the Prowl. Don't really have a substitute to put in instead of the Metribuzin. You could potentially use a Group 15, but if you're using Warrant post-emerge, um, I'd rather not do two shots of Group 15. I'd rather just do the one. So, nope, I like what you're doing. Uh, the only thing you may consider on the post-emerge side is perhaps if you're going Extend Flex or Enlist on the soybeans, you could add in the extend a max or or enlist one or something like that to, to give you one more product that's going to be good because just spraying roundup with warrant the only thing that's going to burn down weeds that are up is the roundup so for me on the post-emerge side i'd be looking at can i use flexstar can i use cobra could i potentially use extend a max or enlist one um, could I use Liberty? What are some other post-emerge options I have to clean up escapes? So from a pre-standpoint, I think you're limited and I think you're on the right track there. I, I would just look for other active ingredients you could add to your post-emerge to try to clean things up. Hey, thanks, John. Really appreciate the questions and, uh, and good luck to you. Uh, get this one from Kevin. He's up in North Dakota, uh, in Eastern North Dakota. Kevin says, uh, first of all, caught you at a meeting up in Fargo here recently and, and really appreciated that. Uh, thanks, Kevin. That was that was a fun day, and it was snowing and blowing on the way out of Fargo that day. Uh, he said, one of the things that you talked about was organic matter and how much each percentage of organic matter would release through mineralization each season, 20 pounds of nitrogen, for example. Now, I've never heard anybody talk about that before. Uh, other people will talk about nitrogen credits and so forth. Uh, but I'm wondering, with these commodity prices where they're at today, would this be a time to, to reduce my nitrogen inputs, or is it not worth the risk? Um, we've got organic matter levels in our soil mainly at 4.5 to 5. So that's basically 100 pounds and I'd get through the growing season. I'm curious about for my barley crop. I've got about 30 pounds of nitrate out there already. Uh, if I had another 100 coming for free, I wouldn't really need to add additional in. Um, 
Also, uh, want to ask you about continuous quarantine. So let me let me just talk about the barley first of all, um, Kevin. You got to think about when barley needs its nitrogen, and for a barley crop that is going to be maturing uh, before the end of the season, you still got a lot of the hot days of summer left, and that's when a lot of that mineralization takes place. So don't short yourself on N up front. Uh, you're going to get some of that 100, but honestly, the 30 that you've got out there right now is what's left of that 100 from last year. So looks like last year, maybe you got to use some of it, but but there was 30 pounds left. So make sure you get enough. And what, what we do a lot of times um, on a small grains crop is we'll go out about the time that we'd want to add a little bit more in. We'll pull nitrate tests. It only costs about five bucks a sample. Just pull nitrate tests and see what level of nitrate is out there and do I really need more. And I'm not guessing that you're going to be able to do zero, but I am guessing that you could cut back just a little bit. So you have to see. You really don't want to run short. The other thing you can do is you could do a couple of experiments, maybe on a field or two, and just say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try using a little less N out there, and I'm going to do a nitrate test where I did put the N on and then where I didn't put the N on, I'm going to do some comparisons. It, it, like I say, it's really inexpensive to do that. And it'll probably give you a good idea going forward because nitrogen is super expensive and we're going to get back to a time where these commodity prices aren't so favorable for us. And you'll want to be able to have that knowledge to potentially save some money. Okay. Other question that Kevin had is on continuous corn. He said, last year, uh, we did some corn on corn here, and it went fine, but not a lot of folks know about corn on corn in uh, eastern North Dakota. Isn't that common practice up here? Uh, Just kind of curious what what you'd recommend about that, uh, and even if we decided this year to do corn for the third year in a row on some ground. All right, Kevin, uh, good questions there, and... I know a lot of folks, their their uh, red flags go up as soon as you start talking about continuous corn, especially when we're fairly dry, uh, that ooh, it takes, takes a good amount of moisture to do continuous corn. But you're also in the Red River Valley, and you've got heavy soil. And so generally, even when it's dry, when it's dry, it's oftentimes really good crops there. So I'm not super worried about it just based on where you're at. Um with continuous corn, I worry about a couple of things uh, in your area. Gosses wilt is one of those things, so make sure you're choosing hybrids that have good gosses tolerance. That's going to be more important than normal when you're in a corn-on-corn situation. I would certainly be concerned about corn rootworms and other insects. Now, that could include wireworms. That could include cutworms. Uh, there, there are a lot of different bugs. So if it was me, I would be applying some insecticide at planting time. Uh, if you are, are set up to put on a dry, great. Force and Aztec are awesome. If you're not, you could use something like Capture LFR Liquid, and that would be a good choice, too. I, I think that's going to be important. Even if you say, well, I haven't really had much for insect issues, you really only get one shot to protect that crop, and it, it's pretty inexpensive to do so, especially with a Capture LFR. So I would be looking at that uh, with hybrid selection. Like I mentioned, the Gosses Wilt. Uh, is a big deal. And then the other thing I'd say is I'd consider a foliar fungicide. When we think about fungicide timing on wheat, we're doing multiple applications uh, and, and barley could be the same thing. On corn, a lot of times we'll end up we'll end up doing multiple applications here, but we do corn on corn quite often. We've got a healthy ethanol industry and a lot of dairies going up in our area. But where you're at, that's a little less common. There aren't as many diseases up there in corn that I'm aware of. 
So I'd maybe time one one application. Probably the latest you can get through your crop with a with a sprayer is what I would do. Either a tasseling time application, or if you could get out there, maybe at five foot tall corn. Hey Kevin, thanks for the question. We really appreciate it, and thanks for your support. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.